Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever. It is episode 137 of Dude and the Monkey, and my name is Ian Loring. As always, I'm joined by... Uh, Matt Foster, hello guys. And it's a rather packed one for you this week. So, um, the main review is going to be the uh, Johnny Depp resurgence film Black Mass. Uh, we'll also talk about some trailers, a fair bit of what we watched by the sounds of it. And we'll also continue marketing and play with their lightsabers with a look at Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Um, Mark, have you got anything to uh, get off your chest or anything like that before we uh, crack on? Uh, no, no, it's 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 been a well. I don't, I don't know what the week's been like because I've been just absolutely insanely busy. So <laughs> uh, loads of stuff could have happened, and I, I just won't fucking know about it because no, I mean, it's Thanksgiving in the US, so you know. Yeah, there's just there's has been that so i think i i guessed it would be um i think the only real big news is what we'll get to in trailers i would say mm, mm-hmm. yeah no for sure i'm I'm drinking a very nice um sainsbury's taste the difference porter oh nice yeah some of, the, some of their parts are really quite nice actually yeah it's quite quite chocolatey this one actually it's um, oh i think i think i've had that one which mm. one is it um london something yeah, I, I think I've had that one that says quite chocolate, yeah. But Sainz has to do some really quite nice um, homemade, well, own brand ones, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was uh, actually very pleasantly surprised by it, by it. I, uh, oh man, I drank fucking four cans of Punk IPA last night and didn't feel great this morning. <laughs> that stuff, that stuff is a fucking hangover fucking machine, that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's... Pretty brutal, 5.6%. It just, it, yeah, it's nice though. It is nice. It is very nice. But uh, yeah, okay, let's uh, let's get on with trailers then, Mark. So uh, go ahead, bud. What have you seen this week? This uh, only only a couple. Um, the uh, second trailer for The Big Shot, um, which I'm very very much looking forward to. I think it looks incredibly entertaining. Um, it's a great cast. Uh, it looks like Adam McKay's going to throw some elements of comedy in there, but it's definitely not. It's definitely playing it straight. Um, I'm very much looking forward to it, to be honest. It's it's that type of film that I, I quite like, dealing that sort of financial sector and things like that. You know, I think, you know, the last sort of great film we had like that was Margin Call, which was fantastic. Um, and I've watched Margin Call two or three times. It's, it's incredibly rewatchable. Um, looks like we're going along in the same sort of vein as that. So... Yeah, very much up for that. Um, then the other one was um, the uh, what's it called? The pet one again? I can't remember what it's called now. Secret Life of Pets. Secret Life of Pets. Yeah, another trailer for that. Uh, it, it's a shameless Christmas cashing uh, trailer. Uh, it's, I'm guessing to go before things like Star Wars and things like that, mm. where a bunch of the pets are posing for um, Christmas cards. But do you know what? It made me snigger a few times, so I'm 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 totally up for it. Um, it it's one of those where the first trailer, I, I was actually I, it, I found it quite amusing. Um, the idea of it just following the pets would be quite nice. I would like it if it is just a series of vignettes following each individual pet. That'd be great. I'll be less sort of enthused if it turns out it's a kind of pets have to go on a mission to save something thing. Then I'll just be. Well, it's just Toy Story with pets, so mm-hmm. fuck it. Uh, and then we'll, I'll let you do a few, and then we'll come to the, the big one. Literally, only one I've seen is um, the big one. Right, the big one. Um, I, I'll let you go for this because you're more invested in the world of this than I am. So I'm guessing you were more excited by the the prospect of it than I was. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped for the Captain America Civil War. It's got to be said. Um, it just 
it looks like it's actually going to be moving the the Marvel universe on in some interesting directions. Um, you know, Age of Ultron for I mean, it, it, it's entertaining enough, but it was weirdly felt like treading water, which, you know, when it's an Avengers film, it really shouldn't be. It didn't feel like the culmination of anything, which no. the first one did. Yeah, this feels like this like this film is more... Uh, there's more going on it, there's more invested in it. Um, and it, it's, it's going to move the universe along a little bit more, and shit's going to happen in this one, whereas it didn't really in, in Age of Ultron. Yeah. It, it just, Age, of, Age of Ultron felt like felt like it had the impact uh, story-wise, etc., uh, that something like Thor 3 might have. It, it, it was it was an absolute damp squib, whereas this one, it feels like there's, there's, there's stuff going on, even as somebody who, who to be honest, is, is constantly left feeling pretty just lukewarm about the, the whole kind of the universe thing. As, as with most things, I'm glad other people are really enjoying it, and I, I would never call myself a hater and wouldn't sort of say I'm not looking forward to any of the Marvel films. I wouldn't even go. I wouldn't be one of those people that says oh, they're not even very good. Uh, they're all right, is what I think. They're, they're perfectly fine, but I was getting a little bit tired of them, and a little bit like, do you know what? They've, they've pushed it too far. But then I see this trailer for Civil War and go, ha, huh, do you know what? Do you know what? Falcon aside, I'm very much up for this, but please stop pushing Falcon on me. I, I, I think he's going to continue to be pushed. It um, is going to continue to be, to be pushed, but it, it, it just feels like you try to make Falcon work, and we don't care. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to the plot of this film, which is yes. something you can say a lot with with Marvel. But I'm really interested to see how that all goes, and the fact that it's not like Tony Stark's being brainwashed or anything like that. It's actual ideals that him and Steve have that have been set up through the course of their own films and the Avengers films. And, you know, obviously, like, Stark's going to have severe guilt issues after a, uh, uh, after Ultron, which is going to help him through the stuff. But then, you know, Steve's got guilt issues about Bucky as well. So you, you've got these two things. But, I mean, like, the, the end of the trailer where, you know... Captain America says, you know, he's my friend. Yeah. And I and Tony Stark says, I was too. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's the single best bit of acting Downey Jr. has done in a fucking Marvel film. It is, and it, it does, it's, it, it would be nice. Um, I mean, I know they're not going to go for what I'm about to say, but it'll make sense as I go along. It'll be nice if, if we could have a Marvel film where, yeah, we're going to get the usual big set pieces, because you've got to, because it's a summer blockbuster movie, so you have to have those things there. But it'd be nice if we could have one where it is it doesn't rely on things falling from the sky and things flying around really fast, and essentially just having a faceless villain that'll be here, that'll be here and gone in you know before you even remember who the fuck it is. Uh, it, it, it does seem like we're going to have everything kind of imploding on itself, and this will be the ripples will be the, 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 the you know the films that, that come after it. Yeah. But it's also interesting that we've got a Captain America film that does look like uh, you're going to have Iron Man playing a a pretty pivotal role in it. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, I think this look it, it, this 
assuages the fear that it was going to be kind of the Iron Man show in a Captain America film. It looks like it is going to be still a very Cap-centric story um, with, you know, Tony Stark just as the antagonist, very much an and Robert Downey Jr. role, I'd say. Um, I, I, you know, I, 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 I mean, the, the action looks solid. The plot looks interesting. I'm, I, I, yeah, I couldn't be, really be much happier after this trailer. Yeah, it's, 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 it really is an absolutely fantastic trailer. Like I say, even coming from somebody who's not as invested in the world for it, I, I do think it is a, it's a great trailer. And if the tone of this trailer is the tone of the film we're going to get, I'm a lot more excited because I do feel that the Ultron got weighed down um, in trying to be a little bit too clever, trying to be a little bit too funny like the, like the first one was, or having a lot of throwaway jokes. And just ended up being a little bit meh. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Uh, it, it, it's it, it's an incredibly Age of Ultron is an incredibly forgettable movie. And every time I think I should give it a rewatch, I remember bits, but the bits I remember make me go, yeah, I can't even bother to rewatch it actually. I mean, I'm, I am I am going to go back to it. Donna and I watched about the first half of it when it came out on iTunes, and then we switched it off and just didn't go back to it. But um, which I think maybe says something. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly didn't hate it. I enjoyed my time watching it. It just, it's, it's weirdly a non-event. Um, where, you know, where these Avengers films are supposed to be the culmination of something, and you know, Infinity War Part One and Two, you know, those are going to be events. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This just felt like Whedon spunking off a last one to fulfil his contract. It, 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 yeah, it, it, the Age of Ultron did seem to be a, a little bit like somebody who didn't have, didn't, couldn't have the idea, the, the, the spark to get it going there. So moped about, and it, it kind of got through on sheer excitement alone for it. I think, uh, and I think we, Whedon's been very, very quiet after this. I. But he was he was he was very mopey and miserable during the the kind of the, the press, press that yeah. saying you know oh, I'm never going to make another studio movie I'm too tired and all this crap and it's a little bit like hang on a minute yeah. you, you you've been in a very lucky position to have to have got the the Avengers movie and you you know you, you, I, I've made peace the Avengers movie you made a, a very good movie that people loved and enjoyed if you weren't up for doing another one then why did you do another one? Don't say you're going to do it and then bitch and moan about having to do it. Yeah, yeah, no, quite. I I kind of lost a lot of respect for Whedon on like on a personality level with his handling of, of, of the press tour. There's just kind of like the jokey, but, you know, I kind of mean it, kind of like kind of attitude. It, it, it pissed me off. Um, I mean, like the, the Russo brothers are now Marvel's big golden boys and it's going to be interesting to see because you know they're doing this and then they're doing infinity wars part one and two so Mm. it's like they are the big ones for them now even though they've only done one marvel film before but winter soldier was such a pleasant surprise for people that i'm not i'm not surprised they've got all this heat and obviously marvel like them because they probably do what marvel say bring stuff in on on schedule and on budget but still manage to just about inject their own personality into it um yeah i I don't know. I'm I, I'm actually planning on rewatching Ant Man tonight, and I'm I'm very intrigued to see how that goes because I really liked Ant Man, um, and it, it's going to be fun to see Paul Rudd in, in turning up in Civil War as well. 
Um, You know, I I don't think he's going to be in it much, but just having that and, you know, just having all the other characters kind of like playing bodies on a battlefield, you know, I I think could be pretty, could be pretty solid. I'm looking forward to it. I've got a feeling it's going to be two and a half hours long, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I have a feeling it it will push, it will easily push two hours easily. Uh, yeah, other than that, no, nothing, nothing trailer-wise. Cool. Okay, well, we shall move on. And uh, let's get into the Scott Cooper-directed Black Mass, which stars Johnny Depp, Joel Edgerton, Rory Cochran, um, Dakota Johnson, Kevin Bacon, Adam Scott, um, a lot of Boston hoods. Um, <laughs> and uh, am I missing anyone important there? Um, there's, there's a lot of people yeah, there, throughout there, this movie. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people. Oh, um, Jesse Plemons as well. Yeah, um, Corey Stoll turns Corey up. Stolt, yeah. Peter Sarsgaard oh, turns Sarsgaard. up in there. Yeah, uh, there's a Adam Adam Scott. Did we mention Adam yeah, Scott? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a there's a lot kind of crop up. So Juno Temple. Oh yeah, Juno Temple. Yeah, yeah. Juno Temple playing a prostitute. Shocker, isn't it? <laughs> Who'd have thunk? It, yeah, like. I don't know. Her agent needs to work harder. But um, no, I, I, don't, I don't think that's her agent. I reckon that's just her uh, mentality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I reckon maybe. she turned up on set one day and took her clothes off, and Scott Cooper went, "You're not supposed to be nude in this scene." She's like, "Oh, scene? What scene?" Mm. She's gone to go to craft services. Nice, nice. Um, anyway, <laughs> so this is the uh, based on true life story of James Whitey Bulger. Um, who was a kind of a, a fairly low-level gangster in Boston? Who um, got, oh Benedict Cumberbatch is in it as well. That was the one. I, was, I Beryl, knew there was a big one. Beryl Cumberbatchel. Yeah, yeah, Beryl Cumberbatchel. Uh, yes, um, playing Johnny Depp's brother, which is weird. Um, yeah, mm. so he forms an alliance with an FBI agent who's come back to Boston, played by Joel Edgerton. and uh, basically Whitey kind of goes up in the ranks while feeding. Joel Edgerton, nothing really, but thanks to one big thing, Joel Edgerton like gets up in there. Uh, but then Whitey just kind of does continues his, doing his thing. Does his thing, really? Yeah, doesn't listen to anything Joel Edgerton says. But Joel Edgerton wants to be mates with him. That's basically the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Black Mass, Mark? <sighs> It's, it's a very it's a it's a strange film, is Black Mass, um, because it's it's a great story. Um, it's also a great story that, that's quite well told, to be honest, uh, within the actual film itself. So it, it's it's also quite well acted. It's quite well written, um, but it, it does have its kind of it, its issues um, within the film where it's. Going through the negatives first, then coming back to the positives again in a second. It, it's it's trying to be very heavy and meaningful. Um, and the the score kind of drives that through, um, and also it, it suffers a little bit from every single little character um, has to be a recognisable face. Um, so the problem is at that point you're going, huh. Well, that guy's only in it for two minutes, but it's Corey Stahl. Um, and Adam Scott didn't have a lot to do here, did he? Uh, neither did Cota Johnson. And it, it, there's, there's kind of bits like that which seem to be peppering throughout it. Um, and also, it, it suffers from this 
ever-growing trend uh, from modern directors from being just a little bit too obsessed with style and making sure that everything looks perfect. So you've got a kitchen that is exactly set out as it would be in the 70s with formica and worktops and the, that 70s pattern design and everything like that. And then after that, you flash into a, uh, a, a, a shot at night over the Boston Sky um, line when even I, who don't know, um, you know, the Boston skyline that well, can point out and go, well, I know those two buildings are fairly new. So it, it, it does suffer a little bit from that, which is a shame. Story-wise, acting-wise, and the majority of the direction is actually really quite good. It's it, it's a it's a very good gangster film. The problem is it's trying to be part Donny Brasco part Goodfellas and part Scarface and it never quite manages to set where it wants to be in between those. Yeah, I mean, my my problem with it is that it, I mean, I, it's fine. Mm. It, it just, it's nothing more than that. I, I, I thought it was deeply average. Um, and, and, and it, you know, it's just the fact that it didn't really tell me anything. From like a character study point of view, or just an info dump point of view, I mean, it was just like, yeah, this this stuff happened. That's 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 pretty much it, really. You you know, from if you know anything about Whitey Bulger, uh, you you know, you're not going to learn anything else uh, about him from from this this movie. Um, The the thing is, I mean, it could have just been generic gangster like crime film number 57 yeah but it's got johnny depp in it yeah it has but the the strange thing is johnny depp's developing this little bit of a crutch where now he has to be heavily made up to to not look like johnny depp in a movie and he's gone too far because you know you'd look at him you go Oh, you know, well, yeah, he's got the, the 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 crazy blue, you know, hyper blue contacts in and things like that. But if you actually have a look at at, at pictures of um of Whitey Bulger, he he didn't have like fucking Paul Newman piercing blue eyes like yeah. um Depp's gone for contacts. So that's either a directorial or an acting choice to go. That's the look I want to go for, which is a bit like. Well, no, you're playing an actual person that you can. That there are numerous pictures of that you can go. Well, no, his eyes didn't look like that, and it just it it, it does seem like that. There are some fantastic scenes in this which elevate it up and above. But the problem is they're they're peppered between quite like you say, um, quite generic um, gangster movie um, sort of scenes that felt. Felt a little bit kind of TV at points, which is no sign off for TV. But when you've got something, when you're telling a story for film, it, it, it is a different medium. It is a different way of telling a story. Um, but this felt at points, it had that shortness uh, where there was, there was a lot of things happened in very short bursts. Whereas you wanted a little bit more sort of fucking meat to chew on. I mean, the the, the standout scene is the scene where. Um, Whitey goes up to um, to check on Joel Edgerton's wife, mm. uh, and that is a it, it stands out. You're watching that going. There's Johnny Depp. There's the Johnny Depp that we lost like 12 years ago to um, flouncing about 
constantly playing over the top characters. You know, there was a the fact that when he's, he's checking to see if she's if she's got you know a fever and things like that, and there's a palpable sense of oh, this is this is fucking intense and intimidating. And then there's other scenes in it where you're going, this just feels a little bit. Will that happen then? Yeah, I, I, I mean, it was just, I, I don't know. It, there's things like there, there's a scene where um, Joel Edgerton's getting chewed out by Kevin Bacon, and they're about mm. to basically like drop the whole whitey thing, and then coincidentally enough, in that moment, they're listening to that the, the recording, and they, they've got the guy. You know, it's like they're about to drop Whitey, and in that very same scene, here's the thing that's going to make Whitey basically bulletproof for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's... I, I, it felt like Cliff Notes storytelling to me, but I don't know whether I would have wanted it to go on any longer. But I, I it, it's just like Joel Edgerton... You don't. The only real sense you get out of him is just mistaken belief that he'll that Johnny Depp will listen to him because he's from Southie as well. And I mean, like, is that really all there is there? I it, it, it just it doesn't. I, I didn't feel particularly nourished by the screenplay there, or really even what Edgerton was doing. He was fine. But I thought he was he was pretty one note, just like cocky, but thought he knew better than everybody else, and that that's that's kind of about it, really. It was I, I think I mean the idea that you get from from the actual just the, the actual thing is is when um, I mean, his name's Jimmy Connolly, I think it is mm. uh, John Connolly, yeah, uh, Johnson's character when he first sort of got in. You know, cahoots with um, with, with uh, Whitey Bulger was the fact that he thought he could use him as a you know as an ally in, in taking down the the um, Italian mob in, in Boston, and that was what happened. And then as he got closer, he got more comfortable, and he kind of he got a little bit seduced by you know the power and the the money that he was getting I mean, it... from from that side. But but the thing is. That's not really shown in this movie. Yeah, I was going to say, that is literally one scene where they're mm. celebrating in Miami. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but then the rest, then it kind of just switches back to, well, no, you know, no, Jimmy's going to do what we want him to do. Don't worry about it. You know, whatever, we've got this. Don't worry. It's just that again and again and again. You know, you've got the, the scene that kind of precedes the, 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 the wife sequence where um, David Harbour and, um, and, and, you know, and the, the guy Stephen and, um, uh, you know, and Joel Edgerton and whatnot are all having dinner with Johnny Depp. Yeah. And it's just like, well, what, like, why, why are they all having dinner together? What's, what, what, there, what, there's not even any kind of, like, context for why that's happening. It's just more an excuse so Johnny Depp can do the, the sub- you, you yeah. think I'm uh, you think I'm funny? Think I'm funny, yeah. Which, which is which again just lies into the the fact that this film at points is just is trying to to ape other other crime movies, other sort of movies of this you, this sort of style. You're waiting for like Legend actually did. You're waiting for the one take going through a nightclub while yeah. a classic track plays. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised Cooper didn't do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that he didn't, he didn't go for something like that. I think you get the feeling like, like, like it, it, even he thought, you know, maybe that's a little bit too on the nose. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I mean, Depp's decent, you know. I mean, he's good, mm. but it, it does. I, but I mean, that, that's about it, really. I mean, to, to be fair, he doesn't really get much to. Do. Do. <laughs> you know, he I mean, walks I, around looking a little bit sinister. Yeah, I mean, apart from really generic, threatening gangster behaviour, I, I, it just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why people were particularly drawn to the, the screenplay. I can see why they'd be drawn to the material, and it feels like there's a way better, like, to be honest, a way better TV miniseries to be done about this. This story feels like a story that could be played out through long-form storytelling. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Or, 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 you know, or a film that just focuses on on one particular aspect of it. Yeah, it just, it, it, it did seem to get a little bit... Like you say, there's a lot of people drawn to it. I mean, apparently the, the original original cut did come in at over three hours. I'd, I'd kind of be intrigued to see that. I would actually, because you get the feeling that there'd be a little bit more going on. I can't. I can imagine someone like Dakota Johnson attaching herself to this, because I mean, this was um, all that was. It was shot um, at the beginning of this year, in the last, end of last year, beginning of this year. Um, the cast and everything were assembled almost two years ago. Um, you know, it's, it's been floating around for a while, which is why I think you've got people like um, Dakota Johnson, for instance, cropping up in this. You know, Kevin Bacon will basically be in anything if you wave my fiver at him. Well, I mean, um, Sienna Miller was completely cut out of the film. She, yeah, she uh, plays like a later. She was playing a later girlfriend of Bolger mm, when he's couple, when he's in hiding. There's a couple of others I think that have that have been uh, cut out of it as well. Uh, uh, I mean, apparently Jonah Temple's character was uh, originally quite a bit bigger, as was Corey uh, Stoll's. Uh, he had a few more scenes. I can see Stoll's character being bigger. Like that's his, that's his a char- great scene. Yeah, yeah, it's a great scene. But his character is just the one note guy who will not be corrupted. Mm. Yeah. It is it is great when he, when he basically just fucking chews out um, Joel Edgerton. Yeah, he's like... Yeah. Lester goes in all cocky and he just basically just starts bawling at him saying, what the fuck are you doing? Go out and do your job. I, I like the way that it starts with like Joel Edgerton just chatting at him and him just being like, whatever, fuck off. And then he, Joel Edgerton walks out and he's like, actually, while you are here, and then just <laughs> like proceeds like you say. You know, I really... The power dynamics there... Because it is around the start of the Edgerton is fucked period of the film mm. as well. Um, yeah, no, I, I, that, that that was that, yeah, that was really good. I I do like Corey Stoll. He he can play a nice guy or a fucking dickhead or a complicated character like he does in House of Cards really, really, really well. Yeah, he's got that that. That fantastic ability uh, and that that strange physique where he can go from looking, um, for instance, he was in, um, I can't remember what the film's called now, but a film that I watched earlier this year with um, Adam Driver and uh, Jason Bateman and a few other people in it. And I can't remember the fucking title. I'll find it out in a second. But he's in that play, one of the br- brothers in that. Um, and he's a little bit... Um, 
he's kind of considered as like the the joke kind of brother who's you know just family guy and he doesn't really have that much kind of like to do or say or anything like that but also he can play in that he can play the fucking somebody who looks like they could be quite kind of threatening um i think it was called uh, this is where i leave you uh, the film, yeah, this where I live. He's in that, and it's a completely different character to what else you've seen him in. And he, he does have that that turn of kind of face. And he's also he was quite he was very entertaining in Ant Man. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's it's a good cast doing good work. The, yeah. the cast are fine. It's just the the direction is fairly uninspired. I mean, I just like the way it's all told through. Yeah, it cuts back to people being interrogated and it's basically context for scenes given by somebody in interrogation giving a two sentence thing and then it just kind of plays that out it just yeah i i don't know it was, I, I just found this cut of the film to be really derivative and it just by the end of it i I, I just watched it this afternoon, and by the end, it was like, right, that that one's ticked off the box. That's out of the way. I'm never going to think about that again. Yeah, the strange thing is, I felt a little bit the same about uh, Crazy Heart and Out of the Furnace, to be honest. It's better than Out of the Furnace. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. Scott Cooper, he just... Yeah, I, I mean, he, he seems to attract people to his films mm. and i'm not too sure why yeah i don't know i think he, I, I think he might call in a lot of favors yeah, maybe. I, I mean i I'm, I'm i'm pretty much done i mean i would yeah it's it's bored, that... it's borderline but i'm gonna say definitely not shit I'm gonna say it's definitely not shit because i don't think it's shit i think there's, there's if you are into um that this this genre of films, I think there's certainly enough there for you to get uh, a lot of entertainment out of it uh, and to enjoy it for for a couple of hours. But it, it's not it's not going to be in um, the pantheon of these type of movies, and it, it's not a career defining performance from Johnny Depp, which has been said it is. It, it's a little bit like how many films does Johnny Depp have to do now that are career defining performances? I don't think it's the best Johnny. Personally, I don't think it's the best Johnny Depp film released this year, but we'll get on to that. <laughs> we may, we may. Um, okay, so uh, let's do some uh, what we watched. Mark, why don't you kick us off? Uh, I'll kick us off. Um, I watched, uh, because it was Thanksgiving on Thursday. I didn't watch it on Thursday because I didn't get a chance, but I watched it on Friday evening. I watched Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Um Sorry. Because it's a it's a Thanksgiving movie. Um, I usually watch it um, on Thanksgiving because uh, it, it's it's an it's an incredibly watchable movie. Uh, he's playing strings and automobiles. Um, it, it's got you know John Candy being you know and Steve Martin both on on, on top form. And when those two comedians are in, are in top form, you've got you've got the makings of a great movie. And it's a uh, it, 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 it the great thing uh, that it does is it gets in, gets started, and gets its story told, and gets you the fuck out, before either of the characters start to annoy you. Because, inherently, they're both annoying characters. You know, um, John Candy's Del Griffith is, you know, Heart of Gold, etc., but is an annoying um, character. He's 
he's that typical guy who spends far too much time on his own and comes across that little bit too desperate to, to, to have a friend. And Steve Martin's the opposite of that. He's just a little bit of a dick who, if you got to know him, is probably a nice guy, but you've got to spend enough time to get to know him. Whereas when you start with him, you kind of you get his abrasiveness. I think if you spent too much time, then you start to dislike him, and you wouldn't spend enough time to actually start liking him again. Uh, whereas it just gets in and gets it done. It's a wonderful mixture of sort of situational humour uh, and slapstick humour. Um, I mean, one of the the great one of the great moments in uh, Plain Trains and Automobiles is when they're in the car and they go through between the two um, lorries. And everything's flashing red, and uh, Steve Martin turns around and looks at John Candy, and he's dressed yeah, as the yeah, devil, well, screaming yeah, at him. Yeah. And there's just wonderful little moments like that, um, or just great sort of, just very sort of John Hughesy lines. Because you, everyone always associates John Hughes with um, with sort of films like uh, Pretty in Pink and The Breakfast Club Curly and things Sue. like that. Yeah, uh, these um, sort of young young adult centric um, movies uh, but here you've got two guys who are you know supposed to be in their late 30s early 40s um, it, it's that other end of the spectrum but you've got a sort of great sort of throwing lines like the Dylan Baker character I think in his second film I think it is who's playing a complete hick uh, and did the line where he says you know she'll you know she can put your trunk on on the on the back, it's like, no, no, we can get it. Oh no, she's strong. Um, when she had a, a first child, it came out sideways. <laughs> and they both look at each other. It, there's just there's some great sort of lines. Then you've got um, it's it's one of those films where the first time you watch it, it just fucking when it gets towards the end and everything's piecing together, and then it hits with that that revelation and fast forward 10 seconds if you've never seen playing Charlotte and Motorbills or stop, go watch it and then continue listening uh, where John Candy basically says you know, yeah, she's she's dead and Steve Martin figures it all out that his wife's dead it, it, it's a fucking gut punch in that because, you know, you've spent all this time and he's, he's clearly got a lot of affection for his wife and everything's built up and then you have this realisation of oh shit it's it's just, it's, it's a, it's a gloriously wonderful film I do look forward to Thanksgiving every year to, to get around to watching it yeah I, I need to rewatch that it's been a couple of years yeah it, it's brilliant the great thing is like I say it's an hour and a half mm. which is which is how long comedy should be yeah totally uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll do another one then I'll let you do a couple sure. uh, I watched Hitman Agent 47 mm. uh, um the first Hitman movie was terrible, um, to, to put it lightly. Um, this one um, stars uh, as Agent 47 uh, this time, uh, Rupert Friend. We've also got uh, Zachary Quinto in there and uh, a bunch of other people that you kind of recognise but don't actually mean anything. Um, it, it's, its plot is incredibly similar to The Man From U.N.C.L.E., to be honest. Oh, yeah? Yes, in that... Um, Anna uh, Ware, who plays uh, uh, Katia, is uh, hunting for her father, who was the uh, engineer behind um, the agent program. Hmm. He's gone into hiding. She's got to find him. And um, spoiler alert for, for Agent 47, that aren't really a spoiler alert, it's in the fucking trailer. Zachary Quinto... Um, 
is attempting to get her to get to her father, but also Agent 47 is attempting to get her to get to her father as well. But he also knows that she happens to be an agent, and Zachary Quinto um, doesn't know that he's an agent, but Zachary Quinto, she's an agent, but Zachary Quinto is now kind of like a prototype of a new agent um, program that they've got. Right. Yep. Right. That makes it sound way more complicated than it actually is. It does. Um, It's just 90 minutes of fun, to be honest. Um, It's good in the fact that it it starts getting, like like I've just said what I say, it gets its shit done. Um, The action is good. There's some interesting new things done. Um, It it plays with the fact that it's a comic book game, uh, a comic book game, a computer game. movie, computer game based movie uh, in the fact that uh, Agent 47 does change his um, his costume quite a lot hmm. he will knock people on the head and then cheer, get into their uniform and wander around um, it's all held together by the fact that Rupert Friend is, is really very good in this and a really sort of charismatic character uh, within the movie when he really probably shouldn't be at all Um but it's a it's a thoroughly good time to be honest. Yeah, I'm gonna watch this. You've you've slightly sold me. It's a midweek watch. It is an absolute midweek watch. Mm. But it is one where you can put it on. You can put it on at nine o'clock, and it'll be done before eleven o'clock. And you'll go. Do you know what? That was a perfect seven seven and a half out of ten movie. Nice. Okay. That it good. ticks along, ticks along nicely. There's some great scenes. There's a great scene towards the end in an elevator between uh, Rupert Friend and Hannah Ware, which is just a great. Just it, not a lot happens, but it's just it's a scene that fits that moment perfectly. Nice. Uh, I'll let you. I'll let you do a, a, a couple because we, we've got one that crosses over. Pardon me. Okay. Mordecai. Yeah. Mordecai is a film which is now on UK Netflix, which, um, you know, bombed horribly earlier on this year. No one seemed to like it apart from Andrew Jones on Twitter, um, at Ethan Run, who actually, like, at replies people randomly talking about Mordecai for, for some reason. It's fantastic. Mordecai is, uh, the story of a uh, a kind of a, a scoundrel art expert slash thief person slash lord yep. played by Johnny Depp who owes a shitload in taxes and so agrees to help old school friend slash rival for his wife's affection, his wife being played by Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, the friend being played by Ewan McGregor. Uh, to assist in uh, a little bit of art subterfuge, uh, or solving some. Um, Mordecai is ably assisted by his assistant, Jock Strap, played by Paul Bettany. It is real, real surname. Yes, it is Jock Strap. Wow. I really liked Mordecai. You're insane. Have you seen it? Yes. I like, I had to watch it after you said that it was good. I thought, all right, okay, do you know what? I, I'm going to give this a go. 
the thing is, I've there's got one funny moment in it. No, there's loads of funny moments in it. I, 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 I'm, in, I'm interested to know which, 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 which ones. Your mother, I, I genuinely, your mother and father met only is once, brilliant. and money was exchanged. It, it, yes, that was that was the one time I laughed. Um, the running, the running joke about how much Gwyneth Paltrow hates his moustache tickled me. Um, I liked that Jock was constantly shagging women and just had women hiding places. Um, the thing is, I like, you know, I'm the world's biggest fan of Haunted House 2. <laughs> so I don't expect anyone to uh, go with my opinion on anything, really, but especially comedy. But I like pratfalling. I like slapsticky stuff. Um, I, 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 I like Johnny Depp trying to fence and doing it like horribly. Um, I liked Mordecai. I, I just, I had a fun time watching it. Do you know what? Good on you. It just, the, the thing is, if you don't think it's funny, fair enough. But I, I just, I genuinely don't think it would have gotten as much hate if it wasn't Johnny Depp in the lead role. It just, I can't help but feel there's a lot of just jumping on Johnny Depp because he's dressing up like an idiot again. And I, it just, his character made me laugh. I thought he was endearing. Um, I mean, the plot is what it is, but I mean, Paul Whitehouse turns up as some Eastern European mechanic for no reason whatsoever. Um, it just, it, it seemed like a, a, just a bit of a goof to me, but I, I, I thought it kind of captured that quite well on screen. And I just, yeah. Didn't mind it. I mean, the bit where he accidentally cuts off half the guy's moustache, and he's just like apologize, like <laughs> I deeply, sincerely apologize. I just it it made me laugh. I'm sorry. Ah, yeah, comedy for, for Ian. One of my best comedies of the year is, is, is Hot Tub Time Machine Two. Yeah, they, <laughs> there you go. So, so there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched it. It, uh, it, it didn't. It, the, the the line of, of your mother and father um, met only once and money was exchanged was brilliant and comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it really does. It, it's not. It just kind of happens. Um, Jeff Goldblum's criminally underused. I mean, yeah, I don't think he's even like advertised in the trailer or anything. That just felt no, like a cameo. It did. Um, it, it's. It is at pains to tell you repeatedly how pretty Gwyneth Paltrow is. Yeah, well, you know, it, I, I, to be fair, one of the key things in the plot is the fact that Ewan McGregor wants to fuck her. Mm. Yeah, and, and Johnny, she's basically withholding sex until Depp gets rid of his moustache. <laughs> yeah. Um, laughing. And I'm, I'm, I'm laughing at, at just at, at how I made it through. Um, okay. And... One of the things I will say that I am that I'm noticing, I'm developing a bit of a bit of a distaste for Olivia Munn. She, yeah, she's very whatever. In, in, I, I... in the sense of, of, I don't think anybody in the history of the planet has ever been as 
attractive and as sexy, sexy and as alluring as Olivia Munn thinks she is. She yeah, is. yeah, you're bang on there, actually. She, you get the feeling like if 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 let's say you were in a bar next to her and she she got to the bar around around about the same time as you and you the barmaid came up to you and said. What can you have to drink? You went, oh, I think this girl was before me. She'd turn and go, <coughs> not a chance. Yeah. Not happening. You'd be like, I just thought that you'd want it. No, no. And then a rape alarm would go off and all sorts of stuff happened. You'd be like, I don't even know what happened. Yeah, sure. She, it, it's, it, it's, the, the comical bit is, is, is how just way off bat her casting is. <laughs> Yeah, no, fair enough. I yeah, I, no, I'd agree with that. I just yeah, I had fun. It, with it, one thing I will say is is it's not as bad as as people say it is. I don't get me wrong, it's not a. I personally don't think it's a good film, but it, 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 I don't think it's one of the worst films of the year. Think, you, if if, you, if this is one of your worst films of the year. You've not watched enough films. And you, the thing is, you know it's going to be in like everybody's worst of list. Oh yeah, it, it, it's the it's the pick on the stars movie. Yeah, I yeah exactly. I the, the thing is, I don't think it's a particularly good film, but you know, I'm just I'm looking on Letterboxd, and the image on Letterboxd is him combing his moustache, and it's making me smile inside. <laughs> I, I, I it just fair enough. I, I, good I, on you. Yeah, you know. There you go. It's it's not one I'm gonna, I'm going to particularly go to bat for. If you genuinely don't find it funny, as, as as I believe that you didn't, you know, then then fair enough. You know, it's just I'm looking at the average ratings on um on on Letterboxd here. Um, not two hundred two right twelve percent half a star out of five. Nineteen percent one out of five. Twelve percent one and a half. 19% two stars, 14% two and a half stars, 13% three stars, 6% three and a half stars. I'm in the 3% that gave it four stars. Uh, 1% gave it four and a half stars, and 1% gave it five stars. I need to have a look at these five star reviews. Um, I would be in the. It's a two star movie for me. I'd, I'd be in, in that bracket. What? Right, cherry. Or two wine. and a half, maybe. Cherry wine um, gave it five out of five, and doesn't appear to actually have logged anything recently. Okay, I want to go back and see what these people have 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 seen, and what they give ratings to. This is. Do you know what the, one of the things I would say though is, comedy should be kind of subjective, and I, I think a, a reason why. I didn't personally get on with it. Um, is because I, I I don't like that British based humour. It, it doesn't. It, it's not something that gets to me. I I, I do quite enjoy slapstick uh, to an extent, but um, I, I don't enjoy that kind of British based humour, which Mordecai absolutely is. It is that that kind of thing, um, which it often touches a kind of bit of a raw nerve with me. Um, which is probably why I didn't get on with it that well. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, oh, that, yeah, the whole bit about open your balls. Loved it. <laughs> Loved it. You, you see, yeah, when, when I'm thinking back to that, that was actually quite amusing when I'm thinking back to that. Like, just like, the, like, the, the running joke of the guy threatening people saying open your balls, and they're like, what does, 
What does that actually mean? I, I you know, I, it, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm fine with Mordecai. Anyway, let's move on. Um, what else should, we, should I talk about? Uh, White God. So I, yes, which I didn't get round to watching, unfortunately. Yeah, I did a double bill of White God and another film that Mark and I both watched this week. Um, so White God is the, I think it's Hungarian um, film, which uh, is essentially like Rise of the Planet of the Dogs, um, kind of. But basically, the story is um, a girl... Uh, has this dog, and she's sent to live with her dad for a few months while her mother goes abroad. And uh, through a couple of incidents, uh, the dog is left abandoned. Uh, the dog then basically goes through various travails where people don't treat it very nicely, and it's actually pretty horrible. And then the dog snaps and kills someone in the sight of a load of other dogs... And then they basically rise up and essentially kind of run roughshod over a city while the dog systematically goes through all the people who abused it and kills them. You see, I think I've, I, I, I got this confused with a different movie uh, and thought... I, I could. I, I was, I was going to get up earlier to watch it this morning, but I didn't in the end. Um... I decided to have a little bit more of a lie-in. Still got up at half past seven. But I decided to have a little bit more of a lie-in. Uh, and it's because I think I thought it was a different movie. I don't know what movie I thought it was. But now I'm going, oh, fuck, I wish I got up early and watched that now. Now, the thing is, I, I, I'll, I'll kind of belay it somewhat. Last part of the film, and in fairness, it is basically the last half hour, 40 minutes or so. But before that, it, it also focuses on the girl who is kind of forced to abandon her dog and like her relationship with her dad and with her peers in this like musical college and that stuff's not great um you do, i mean like the, the, the performance of the girl is 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 pretty solid but that stuff's not very interesting and even if it wasn't a film where it's rise of the planet of the dogs it wouldn't be interesting it's not just because i'm like let's get to the dogs um it's just genuinely not that interesting. I don't really know what he was trying to say. But when the dog stuff is unleashed, it's pretty amazing. How they got these dogs to do this kind of shit. And in a couple of scenes, I'm assuming these people didn't get hurt or at least not seriously hurt. I don't really want to spoil it. Um, but it's pretty crazy. I'm assuming some CG had to be involved with, with some things. But... The dog wrangling of and that aspect of it really blows my mind. Um, so and I mean that stuff is I, I mean I, I liked the film. It is two hours long. Yeah, that 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 did put me off a little bit. Yeah, and it it does it does somewhat feel it. And I mean, like I say, I mean like the the, the stuff with the girl, it's it's fine. But it feels weirdly disconnected from the dog stuff. Um, I think there's a kind of like a, a parallel that she's kind of unwanted, but then kind of finds her place. And so and the dog's unwanted, it finds its place and then they kind of like meet, meet again. And yeah, so I, I kind of see where it's going there, but it's just the dog stuff is more interesting. But um, yeah, I mean, I recommend it. It's on Netflix UK. Um, you know, it's 
I don't know, 7 out of 10 maybe? maybe yeah, 7 out of 10 I think I'm comfortable with. It's, it's certainly worth a poke. Watch it, but don't rush. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, which, which is kind of how I came to it, to be honest. I just thought, you know, it's getting to the end of the year. I've kind of got to start doing some end-of-year catch-up stuff. And I, you know, I'm glad I did. It, it's not going to be bothering my, um, my top 10 list, but I'm glad I watched it. Cool. Um, so, yeah, let's swing it back to you then, bud. I'm just trying to think of how many, like, we got the one that we both did. Um, I, I, I'm pretty much out now. I, I will say I started watching Jennifer 8 on Wednesday, uh, was really enjoying it, and then I woke up um, to the various kind of skyscraping scenes that uh, go on when your uh, Apple TV goes to sleep. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, I literally, I, I, I had a very, very, very busy uh, Wednesday uh, where I was at work from like seven in the morning till about six o'clock at night, and then I did both parents' evening and various other stuff. Oh, fair enough. Um, actually, one, one other thing I did watch, um, I watched that thing you do. Um, oh yeah, I watched. That. I went to see that at the cinema. Um, uh, wow. On my own. Nice. Um, and I found out after that there's an extended edition, which I didn't know existed, um, which apparently has like 35 minutes extra and fleshes out the only problem that I have with the theatrical cut of that thing you do. That thing you do is one of the easiest watching films I'll ever see. I've, I've seen the extended cut of that movie is two and a half hours long. Yeah. I kind of want to watch that now. I kind of want to watch it, because apparently yeah. it does flesh out the Liv Tyler, Tom Everett, Scott stuff more, which is my it is my one big problem with the film. That, the fact, spoiler alert for that thing you do, the fact those two get together at the end, to me, watching just watching this cut, having no knowledge it was an extended cut, I, I was just kind of thinking, right, so they... You know, they can't just have the boy and the girl be friends then. They've just got to get them together, even if it doesn't really make any narrative sense. Um, yeah. But apparently the extended edition, edition stuff splashed that out, so I'd be intrigued to see it. But, yeah, it's such an easy watch. It's just, like, a group getting together, getting into hijinks, and then kind of breaking up. But, you know, there's some maliciousness there. But, no, like, nobody's really a cunt. There are worse people than others, and I, I, I suppose Jonathan Check's character is a cunt to Liv Tyler, but his reasoning for kind of wanting out of the band and whatnot is actually quite sound. Um, but it, it just, you, you, you watch it, you relax, the song's catchy as fuck, which is helpful mm. because you hear it about 20 times. Um, and... Yeah, I, 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 it's just it's it's really fun. I like Tom Everett Scott. Um, there's a scene with him in a jazz club where he's just getting pissed, and Rita Wilson's trying to crack onto him, which is really funny. Um, and I, I, I don't have much to say. I just really enjoy it. It's, it's, I, I'm, I'm actually going to rewatch that two and a half hour version of it. I'm going to get try and track that down and find it and watch it because that's that's. Yeah, I, you know, I remember watching that in the cinema and thinking this is a, this is actually really quite good. Um, and then for years, people going, oh, why, you know, why is why is Tom Hanks never directed another movie apart from that thing you do? And then he, he made Larry Crow, and we all realised, well, could he just never direct anything ever again, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah. Sounds not great. 
That's terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, so, right, okay, let's go to the one that we both watched then. Yes. Uh, so we are going to talk about Samuel Fuller's White Dog. Um, yeah, because you mentioned you said you were watching White God and then you were going to watch White Dog as well. And I, like I said, I didn't get to White, White God. Uh, just, I just sort of ran out of time and an effort to be honest uh which may sound really like my fucking i'm not being a whiny bitch i've literally had one day this week to watch anything um uh but then white dog i did think well you know what i can squeeze in an hour and a half quite quite easily uh i, I looked at it and did think does he mean white dog does he mean the 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 80s nazi dog one yeah. <laughs> you're like yeah like, all right cool yeah brilliant all right <laughs> for that um, which is good because i'd never watched it before <laughs> It's I right. I watched this on Friday night. I watched this morning at eight o'clock this morning <laughs> whilst eating whilst eating butterscotch pancakes and drinking a coffee. Right, there's a very specific time in which you should be <laughs> watching White Dog, and neither of those are that. <laughs> no, they like I like I was watching it with a beer, and it genuinely. After it, I just finished it and I was like, right, I need to go to bed now. <laughs> I, I finished watch. I was I watched the second half of it after I'd eaten my uh, Marks and Spencer's pancakes. Uh, I was watching the, the the second part of it with uh, Becky's dog sat on my knee. Yeah, yeah. No, I just I was looking and going. I'm not sure about this guy now. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's just, well, no, quite show it to Becky, she'd probably give it up, but, um, <laughs> I, so yeah, the story is basically, starts off, like, kind of with a bang, really, well, like, yeah. literally, a a, 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 a lady, like, hits the white dog of the title, um, like, when it's walking across the road, and she takes it back to her place, and after... One of the kind of the most confusingly shot rape attacks of all time. Um, like, <laughs> like, seriously, it's just like, right, what's going on? There's like, the dog's watching TV. Yeah, why is the dog watching a war yeah, film the, really loud? Yeah, the dog's watching this really loud war film, and this guy <laughs> is just suddenly in this woman's house. Which is strange because her boyfriend has literally just warned her about this. Yeah, 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 about the, yeah, about the security. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and then basically the dog like attacks the guy, so she's really fond of the dog. But then she essentially finds out that the dog has been trained to attack black people. Yeah, which when it comes out of that, you go, when they go, he's a white dog, and you're like, she's like, well, yeah, I know he's a white dog. No, he's trained to attack black people. And as, as the audience, you kind of go, oh, fuck off. And then it explains it in a brilliant way. By quite literally having her character ask somebody, "What is a white dog?" and he explains it, and you go, "Okay, I'm, I'm fine with that now." It's the um, it's the Ellen Page in Inception level exposition where a lot of people with Inception have problems with that because there's a lot of exposition, but in the film that character needs explanations and they're given yeah. to them. It's appropriate for why that exposition is given, just as it is here. And, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah, that's the, it is. It, it, it works really well, because it it's a sensible question to ask. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, the thing is, 
this if this, I mean, this feels kind of genius in a way because it really toys with your feelings. Um, you got Ennio Morricone's like yeah really once I, go on yeah well, that was a strange one once I saw that that come up on the score I thought it's not I thought ooh mm, it's a nice score this and then it comes Ennio Morricone I thought really I mean it, it sounds like Morricone but I just all right, well, do you know what? It kind of made me a little bit more comfortable with it. But but the thing is, I I found that theme increasingly unsettling. Mm. And it's basically the only the only bit of the music in the film is kind of that theme repeated in, in yeah. key moments. And I mean, I, so the uh, full spoilers for White Dog because I just need to talk about the ending because I need to get it out of my system. The ending is one of the most depressing fucking things, you know, I think I've ever seen. It's just, you think things are going to shit, and then they don't. And then you think everything's going to be alright, and then things very suddenly turn to shit again. Yeah. And it just, I will, I will say, that guy had been around that dog quite a lot. Mm. And that dog had never flipped. But it's almost like the dog has to have something in mind that it hates. Yeah. So it stops hating black people and it starts hating fat white men with glasses. Crusty old white men. Um, and I mean, I mean, before that, you've got the, the, the bit where the owner of the dog and his granddaughters turn up. Which is just horrible. Yeah. And, you know, you've got... The, the, the granddaughters basically... Uh, to be fair, they've already been psychologically damaged by their granddad. But now they're getting psychologically damaged by this woman just shouting at them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it just... And then you get, get the end scene. And I don't know. It, that, I mean, the dog. I thought it was going to end on her hugging the dog... And the dog looking a little bit, oh, something could happen here. And uh, that would have been depressing enough. But you have yep. to add the dog attacking that guy. But it doesn't end there. That would be depressing enough. It doesn't end there. No. You've also got the dog being shot to death. And being and not only being shot to death, being left to, left die, to die alone. Yeah, even... He's not even dead. Even He's his dying. owner basically abandons him yeah yeah and then and then it's the any music plays and the credits roll it just uh, as as we pan out to a dying dog in essentially a massive cage yeah i i, I mean what it's got to say about hate that you know hate will like is a very and is very adept at surviving and lingering and and kind of morphing, you know. And that that whole thing, I, I absolutely see that, and it feels very much like a Samuel Fuller theme, frankly. But it's the way that it really, really plays with you. This film, uh, mm. you know, like the I I, I don't know. There, there are there are moments. Where, I mean, there's that moment where the dog's escaped and it's walking along. And it stops, and then a black kid comes out of that building. Yeah. And you're like, and you go, oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> and, and then the kid goes away. 
But then the dog that just like attacks a black guy in a church. Yeah. You know, and, and I've got to say though, that dog actually murders two people and viciously assaults <laughs> another couple. Yeah. Yeah. And yet the police don't do a bloody thing. No. It is strange the fact that that what seems to bring it around is Paul Winfield um, flashing himself at it repeatedly. Yeah. Even though I've got to say, right, that montage is a little bit weird. Yeah, that montage is weird. But the cheeseburger that he thrusts at him is one of the yes. nicest, greasy <laughs> cheeseburgers I've ever seen. I wanted that cheeseburger so bad. I was looking at it going, fucking hell, that cheese that, that cheeseburger looks looks both horrible and really appetizing oh, at the same time. And cheesy and it's like, oh, you are so wrong. Yeah. But I want it. I, I like yeah. it, oh, dearie me. Um I, I don't know. It, it, it's very, very effective at pushing and pulling you. It's a very strange movie. Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, I, I'm never going to watch it again. I'm glad I watched no. it, but yeah, I, 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 I could never do it again. No. I don't see any need for me to ever watch it again. It wasn't entertaining as such or anything like that. It was just... It was kind of... It was just a strange movie. It's like Thomas Vinterberg's The Hunt. I 100%... Yeah. Have you seen that? The Hunt, yes. It, it's just like... I absolutely 100% see that that is a great film. And it's an important film. I never, ever, 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 ever want to put myself through that film ever again. Yeah. You know, and, and, I mean, especially, you know, since Lottie, you know, no way. This is the same. It just, it's, re- I, I found it really unnerving, and that score helps a lot with that. And, I mean, even just, like, the credits at the start, the kind of, the, the black on white, and, I, like, it just, I, I don't know, there's something off, about it, which runs through the whole film, uh, I, I, it just it I, it stays at that that kind of level of is everything going to be all right in the end? And the answer is very much no. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it, very 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 powerful stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I I I'm glad I watched it, but like you said, I it's not something I'll be rushing to watch again. No. I'd watch that cheeseburger again. <laughs> Just a, a, a gif of that cheeseburger. Uh, should be my iPhone wallpaper. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's move on. Uh, that that was it for what we watched, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, I've got I've got nothing else now. Okay, so uh, let's talk about Mark and Ian play with their lightsabers. It's Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, nineteen seventy seven, if I remember correctly. Yes. Uh, written and directed by George Lucas. It's the last one of these ones we're going to be covering, actually, directed by George Lucas. Um, oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, stars, Mark ha- yeah. stars Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Peter Cushing, uh, James Earl Jones, David Prowse, and uh, others. There's an alien with a bum for a face. <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about? <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 that's brilliant. Um Star Wars, then. Um, yeah, even the title crawls good in this one. Well, it's it's not about fucking trade embargoes and uh, fucking taxation laws and bollocks and shit, is it? It's about rebellions and Death Stars. T- 
terrorism and shit like that. Princesses. Yes. Can I ask a question? Why is she a princess? Because Bail Organa is the crown king of Alderaan. Was he? So he's like an elected king? Probably. Because he wasn't a king. That's one thing that's confused me a little bit. He's a senator. But but then again, what's her name? Um, Was elected. uh, Natalie Portman was elected queen. And then, you know. Um, yeah, so are the royals elected in the Star Wars universe? Probably. Is what I need to know. Yeah, that would be that would be one that well, I'm sure we'll get informed at um, TGV33. Looking at you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the way, yes, thanks to Steve for uh, pointing out what I was saying yes. last week about uh, episode four being added on. It was for the eighty-one re-release, yes. apparently. So that was before the next two, wasn't it? Um, I think it wasn't Empire. Well, it would have been, yeah, because uh, the next one uh, was um, 83, was it? I thought Empire was 81. 81. I'm looking at my ass, because I probably am. Empire Strikes Back was 1980. Oh, shit. All right, fair enough. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry, but 80 and Return of the Jedi must have been, what is it? Return of the Jedi, when was that? Return of the Jedi was 83, yeah. So it's in between those two uh, so that it was changed to New Power. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so um, Mark, what did you think of uh, New Hope? Um, first um, thing... Um, that I noticed was it, it looks so much better uh, than the other three uh, movies. Um, to say it was made, excuse me, um, some 20 odd years before, uh, and um, it, it still manages to look uh, a lot better. It looks a lot keeping in keeping within its own story. Uh, the, I mean, it was the effects were kind of cutting edge at the time, and obviously things have been added and it's been cleaned up and etc. and things like that. And you can kind of notice those bits uh, within it where you go, well, that's clearly not a a 1977 effect. That's an effect that's been added afterwards, which kind of takes the shine off it a, a little bit. But I, you know, I can see why Lucas has wanted to do that. Um, and you know, I think it's it, it maybe benefited um, in, in keeping Star Wars longevity going and getting people into it, new fans into it. Um, from there, we tidying up and cleaning it up. Um, it's more entertaining. It, it, it's not been as kind of um, ponderous and try uh, trying to go. Well, this is this, and this is this, and this is this because it's it's the first one. Everything is what it is within it. Um, whether or not Lucas has a story to tell beforehand or not, I've you know you don't know at this point. Um, you know that there's history there, but it's just it's it's uttered about rather than actually um, you knowing what's going to happen within futures. Um, so you get a little bit more from it in that way. Uh, I still personally think it, it suffers from having characters that I just can't get any kind of sort of feeling towards or get behind really uh, at the moment. I'm still we're a whole sort of new set of characters but I I don't find any of them sort of endearing or engaging or anything like that. I just find them a little bit people that, are, that things are happening to to be honest. Fair enough. I, I mean I, 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 I don't know. I really like it. I, I mean it is what it is. It's, it's Star Wars. It's I don't know. I, 
the thing is, I didn't particularly grow up on Star Wars. It was only really something that kind of kicked in in my teens. Um, my uh, my mum and dad, uh, well, um, uh, my mum isn't and my dad wasn't uh, film people uh, at all. Um, so it's not not really something I was really into. But uh, I, I, I got there. And the thing I like about A New Hope is that it is just uh, such a pared down simple story. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's none of this, none of this operatic kind of stuff that Lucas was going for with like episode three in, in particular, you know, it's just a very simple good versus evil, light versus dark kind of thing. Um, I, I mean, I suppose Han Solo is a, a bit of an anti-hero, but it's not like he's a prick or anything. He's just a bit of a rogue. Um, so I, that, there's that, but I, I, the it's interesting. The, the kind of the visual effects sprucing up. There's only a couple of bits where I I think it it particularly looks out of place. There's the one kind of shot there's in, like towards like it's at the start of the Death Star battle where it, it's kind of a shot of the X wings kind of flying in space. Yeah, and it's a bit like well. Yeah, that just kind of takes you out of it, really. Um, and, I mean, like, the Moss Eisley scene, they've, they've kind of added some stuff there as well. But yeah. it's, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't jar for me too badly. And I think it might be because I don't have that much experience of the pre-Special Edition versions. That, that, like I say, they weren't the ones I grew up on. So, even though a lot of my, people my age probably, like, did, you know. But... I'm kind of more the kind of generation after me that you know would have, would have grown up on the special edition, so it doesn't bother me so much. I, but I, I just I, I think it's really fun. I mean, one one thing that struck me this time around is just the fact that John Williams does the main score, the, the main theme, a lot, and it's weird that you know he obviously didn't know it was iconic at the time. But it's almost like it's been rescored to have more of that theme in because that theme is so iconic. Yeah, it, it is like that. Like like, like, I suppose it could just be they knew they were a good thing. It was it made sense within the film, and they thought, well, you know what? Let, let's try and do that. It's it, it's it's a very um, it's a very sensibly made film, is what I'd say. But I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, I think it's got some um, some good in- imagery and standout scenes as well. Like the Luke looking at the the the, the, the kind of the twin sons on Tatooine, um, while the the Williams score kind of plays over that. I think it's a really nice kind of hopeful, melancholy image that kind of sums up Luke at that point. It's uh, well done, like visual storytelling i think there um i mean i, I layer it, it kind of just is fairly one-dimensional here she's given I, I like she's kind of given more of a personality in, in the upcoming films i mean she is kind of a an ideal here really even though one thing i will say is the fact that a lot of the stuff in this film doesn't really make sense in terms of story beats in the prequels and in the ones upcoming mm. i mean obviously the luke and leia being brother and sister you can't lucas cannot say he'd thought of that when they filmed this yeah because wouldn't 
wouldn't if if Darth Vader knows that Luke Skywalker's his son, wouldn't he then know that Princess Leia is his daughter? This is this is the thing they keep them. And also, wouldn't he be so... able to lose his use his Force thing to work that out? I'm still, and I'm still going back to the Force thing, but it, it still does seem to be a little bit like that happens when it needs to happen. The, have to the thing is, he off. never actually sees Luke, does he? He feels the Force. No, but he's, he's face-to-face with Leia, isn't he? Yeah, I, I mean, he is face-to-face with, with Leia. I will say, in the end of the day, I don't... Like, he doesn't find out about Leia until he senses it in Luke, and Luke doesn't have it in him until he finds out. And that shit's not really done until Jedi. Yeah. This fasting still... I still think it seems a little bit flimsy. <laughs> but it's flimsy. No, in fact, it's flimsy as fuck. This fast. Well, I, 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 I don't know. I think, I, I think that kind of explains that particular point, to be honest. But okay, it's a bit wizards, did yeah. it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's very wizards, it's maybe did it? A bit wizards, did it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I can feel a lot of force here. Your fucking daughter stood in front of you, man. In. Yeah, but he doesn't you. know she she's his daughter. He's supposed to be able to feel some kind of force of the fact that that's the force of his freaking loins. Well, no. Like, when, when is... What is the force, then? Because it's, it, it's still very much one bit, and then not another bit, and then another bit, and well, then not no, another no, bit. No, 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 no. Yet they go on about it all of the yeah, time. okay. When do they ever say in this that the force can tell people... That kid standing in front of them. Force can feel things, like, can make them feel everything. Yeah, they, they the force, feel the force, the the force. force is supposed to be everything. They, yeah, he feels a level of the force. Everything. Everything. If the force has been passed on to Luke, why have been passed on to Leia? That's sexist. Well, it is, but he's not, like... That's sexist, he talks, that he is. Talks to, like, he has one conversation with her face-to-face, and it's not like he just, like, interrupts it, saying, by the way, you've got quite a lot of force in you. It should do. Really? It should, yeah. Really? It should walk out there and go, she had a lot of force in it, that girl. Mm. I wonder why. Mm. He says the force is strong in this one about Luke, but it's yeah. because he's like fighting him and Luke's trying to... Sexist. For <laughs> fuck's sake. Star Wars movie, they're just Anyway, sexist. I mean, I will say... What's going what's to happen next? Is, is, is Leia going to end up in some kind of skimpy uniform? All right, all right. I will say... Oh, not to mention the fact that she's called Princess Leia. That's reading a bit. Reading a bit? <laughs> Come on. Lucas's names are a little bit on the nose sometimes. To be fair, a lot of the people in this one particularly pronounce her Leah. They do, yeah. You know, so, you know, ease up on that. I will <laughs> I will say that kind of the, con- the retroactive continuity in the prequels do- doesn't really make sense here. When Obi-Wan gives him the lightsaber and he says, your father wanted you to have this. Yeah. When the shit did it, like, like, there's a deleted scene where Anakin's talking to Obi-Wan. He's like, by the way, if I ever have a kid and I'm not around, give him my lightsaber. Give him this. And also, you know, you'll you'll hopefully become um, as powerful a Jedi as your father. It's like, ooh, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah, it's like, it's like it didn't work out fucking very well last time when you picked up somebody from there, didn't no, it? Uncle Owen's probably on the right path, really, there. Just going, like, oh, Uncle Crispy. Well, yeah. 
Poor Joel That's Edgerton. That gets fucking bleak, doesn't it? For a little bit, Star Wars, I was thinking, oh, it's a you, it's a little bit joke, it's a little bit kiddie days, are they charred corpses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on a minute, a C-3PO and R2-D2 just throwing those little hood guys onto a bonfire? Yeah, I, yeah no, quite. I, 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 they're Jawas. What? They're Jawas. Jawas. Jawas, not little hood Jowers. guys. Jawas. Little hood guys. Little proddy hood guys. Little pro- fuck you. You're a dick. <laughs> the, I, I mean, the thing is, if this was made today as well, I mean, this film wouldn't be made today. You wouldn't get scenes like the trash compactor scene, which is such a weird, like, just odd, out of place. Like, they've fallen down a chute, and now there's a monster in there, and they're going to get squished. Yeah. yeah I, 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 from... And the, mon- the monster keeps going under, and he's able to pull Luke under, but they're all stood in, like, a foot and a half of yeah, water. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, how the fuck does that work? I, I, yeah, I, I, the thing is, I just, it's a fun adventure film for me. Uh, I like Han and Chewie. I like the fact that Chewie just barks and Han responds to him. You know, it's kind of classical stuff. You've got the, uh, oh, there's a boring conversation anyway. That's great. You know, everything's fine. Everything's fine up here. How are you? Yeah. You know, and then he like shoots him with the blast, shoots the thing with the blast. He was like, oh, it was a boring conversation anyway. It's good. <laughs> it's good shit. I, like Harrison Ford's great in this. I like Mark Hamill as well. He does that. Th- like he, he gets, he gets the kind of the slightly whiny, needy man-child thing right where Hayden Christensen got it really really wrong he's got he's got more of an innocence to him he, he is yeah he, he is yeah it's you do get the feeling like in a couple of years time he's gonna get his first boner and cry about yeah, it yeah yeah exactly whereas Hayden Christensen like well, probably was probably punching his dick when he was 12 trying to get a boner yeah 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 yeah, yeah. exactly um, that's a very good analogy perfect um but, I mean, the, the, the Death Star attack at the end, I think, is genuinely um, engaging. I, You know, the, the, the kind of the overwhelming odds against it actually going right, I think, is, is well done. I like the way the score goes into a minor key during during those bits. It, it's, I think it's a really confident sequence to, to end the film with. And, like, really before it's signed as well, I mean, obviously, with, like, the motion control that was pioneered for this and... You know all that kind of stuff. It's um, mm. I, I I I think that that seems fantastic. But like the the kind of the escape from the uh, the Death Star, uh, I, I I think is really well done. There's quite a lot of moving parts in in that scene, and they kind of managed to do it all. Um, the Obi Wan Darth Vader fight's not the best, I suppose, but it is two old well, men going at it. Do you know what, do you know what I think quite interesting though in this um, is that. I don't know what I, I can't. I, I've seen the next two films, obviously, but I can't remember them. I, I can roughly remember kind of what happens, but I can't remember sort of mostly specifics. Um, but what was what was quite sort of palpable is the fact that in this, the the that's the one lightsaber battle in the film, and it is two guys essentially just hitting swords together. But the, the, the prequels, the lightsaber battles were they're jumping about and spinning round and doing all of the, these things. And it, it, it is 
is that a, a thing from the, the, the prequels that doesn't exist in the, the first three, or is there a, does it kind of morph into that it, over it, the next it, two movies? It gets movies? more like that, yeah. It does get more like that, because that, it, was, it was interesting just to see that it was, that, that that's how the first lightsaber battle is, is just two guys holding with one hand and, and waving them. And I, I thought it was fine. I, I probably preferred that than the ridiculousness of the fucking little green thing spinning around and jumping around. Um, I, I much preferred that. It, it felt more in keeping and it felt a little bit more fucking realistic. Not well, realistic. I know that sounds ridiculous in this fucking universe that you're in, but it just felt a little bit more palpable. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, no, no, exactly. I, I, I quite enjoyed the the, the late snow battle, to be honest. Yeah, no, quite. I mean, it's kind of a, it's just a more classically kind of style kind of sword fight, really, isn't it? So exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's Star Wars. It's it's kind of iconic. I think it's got reason to be. Um, I, I think the music adds a shitload to it. Um, but that's uh, you know, that's John Williams, really. Um, yeah, I don't know. It sounds like we don't have much more to say. I I, I don't. I'm, I'm still not getting how these films have inspired this much um, fandom. Still, I'm still. It's still not getting me. But we've got two more to go. Um, and I think isn't Return of the Jedi. I can remember Return of the Jedi. Their Empire Strikes Back is considered to be like the the properly good film Empire out of the lot. Is, yeah, Empire is, is that one. People, yeah. So that's the next one we're watching. Yes, it's Empire's next yes. one watching. Yes, so I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm more looking forward to the next one than I have been at any other point throughout this review. Okay, well that's good. That's I'd, I'd call that a success then. It's I don't know. It, it's uh, Star Wars is definitely not shit. It's just still I'm still at the point of where I'm going. It, it's still not doing anything personally for, for me. Um, I, I'm still not engaged enough to go. Um, to, to overlook the certain bits that make me go, hang on a minute. It's still not got me enough there. Fair enough. But I still, I'm still open to, to, to being one over. I don't think you will be. I think if I was going to be, I probably would have been I by now, but by we now never know. No, I think you would have been now as well. But, you know, never mind. Yeah, anyway, you're still going to fucking watch them, so tough shit. I'm still going to fucking watch them, yeah. What <laughs> <Not> that. I'm <laughs> be a mingy bastard every week in between. Yes, you are. <laughs> do, do you know what I'm going to be a mingy bastard about? What? No tweets and no emails. Ah, oh, no, motherfuckers. Um, for, for shame on you. Well, for that... Um, I'm going to talk to Ian uh, very quickly about about iTunes again. Oh, so, go on then, yeah, hit me, hit me. Yeah, um, I, I actually, I, I, I'm starting to get a little bit behind this yes. now. Actually, um, I messaged Ian the other day. I was just, um, I was, I can't remember what day it was on. Uh, I think it was on Thursday night. I was kind of flicking through uh, iTunes, waiting for Bex to finish reading something that she was reading. Um, and so I, I quite literally was just flicking through the iTunes movie bit and just sort of seeing what was there and what was how much stuff was, uh, and came across the Untouchables for three ninety nine and thought, if I saw the Untouchables, let's say I was shopping in ASDA and walked by one of the Blu-ray stands and things they had and saw the Untouchables for four pounds on Blu-ray, I'd probably go, hmm, yeah, do you know what? I'm gonna have that. 
So I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to set myself a thing now where I've no interest, for instance, in buying the um, what's it, uh, Mission Impossible collection for £31 for all five movies. Yeah. I don't even want to buy Mission Impossible 5 um, for £13.99. But what I'm going to try and use iTunes for is sort of catalogue titles that I see for like £3.99 or £4.99 or the 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 what I assume is like a Black Friday weekend kind of deal thing they've got where they've got a build your collection thing. What I think would be really sensible for iTunes to do is to keep that build your collection thing and just keep changing it every week. Because it's what, like seven titles are one ninety nine, seven titles are two ninety nine, seven three ninety nine, seven four ninety nine, and seven are five ninety nine. Um and I bought I bought Fight Club. Uh, and was just about to buy uh, Predator before I realised I actually own Predator on Blu-ray, okay. so that would be stupid for me to buy it on, <laughs> what is it, even if it only is one ninety nine. <laughs> um, but I, I'm still actually tempted and thinking, but then again, hmm. So yeah, so I've actually bought a couple. I've bought The Untouchables and Fight Club this yes. week. So it now takes it up to, I've bought three in two weeks, which is more Blu-rays than I've bought this entire year. So... It's kind of winning me over. And let's say if they do change it and next, you know, they do have decide, right, you know what, this 199 thing or 299 thing's worked, and they do decide to keep that build your collection thing. Uh, I don't think they will, but let's say in a fantasy world where Apple is run by humans, um, it is, that is something they do. I could quite easily see myself buying a couple of weeks. Yeah, no, quite. I mean, I, I buy a couple of things on iTunes a week these days anyway myself. It's just um, I, I'm OK with spending the kind of the full price stuff because I want to spend that on a Blu-ray anyway. So it's it's fine. You know, like I bought Ant-Man on iTunes and I'm going to watch that tonight. And I mean, the thing is, as well, a lot of the time you can get iTunes gift cards for less than their face value. Like at the moment, Tesco are doing buy free 15 pound ones for 35 quid. So you're getting a tenner off there you know or a, yeah. te- a tenner's more value for the money you're actually paying you know so when you factor that kind of thing into it as well it, it like it, it takes the, co- the, the the actual real term cost of the the things down even more and um i'm okay with it i mean i spent 199 on predator i bought chef for 399 you see I, I, that's the sort of stuff i'm tempted by if, if i see stuff for actually under a fiver and it's something i think do you know what I don't mind. I'll, I'll happily have that. Then I'll I'll buy it and I'll build my collection that way. Um, but I can't see myself ever going. Do you know what? Here's um, here's twelve ninety nine on a new release. I'd prefer to either rent it and then wait for it to come down in price. Or um, like for instance, South Park came up this Monday um, and HMV doing exclusive steelbook. I'm going to get that. Fair enough. But yeah, but it's, 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 it, has, it has kind of reinvigorated my, ooh, um, in, uh, buying things. Yeah, I don't know. It's just the fact that I can browse shit on my phone. It's just like, it's almost like an impulse. Shit, that's $3.99, yeah, I'll have that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. It's, it's the way, and I'm more than happy with it now. I'm more than happy with it. Yeah. Good. Join the club, <laughs> you Prick. <laughs> um, so, um... and also as well that part of this is because uh, when I move house I am not putting my DVD and Blu-ray shelves back up in the living room oh, my god I know 
the Blu-rays are going in, in the in the podcasting office, and um, the DVDs. I have no idea what I'm doing with right now. <laughs> Not a fucking clue. Yeah, very well, watch what DVDs. Let him know. <laughs> yeah, if you don't want two and a half thousand DVDs. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. That's <laughs> crazy. Um, Right, so what are we doing next week then? Because you're not that bothered by Krampus, are you? Couldn't give a fuck. But the night before, you're more into yeah. that. I could, I could, I could watch the night before, yeah. I guess we're doing the night before then. Yes. Nice. So we'll be doing the night before next week. We'll be doing Empire Strikes Back next week. We'll uh, have more to talk about. Um, I, I won't be watching Mordecai again, so uh, you know, don't <laughs> worry about that. And uh, I think that's probably going to do it for this week, is it? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay, so, uh, yeah. Uh, why am I sounding so distracted? Have a good one, folks, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Speech next week, guys. Bye.